0: Hey there, folks, Alex Lokes here, and welcome back to Classic Camera Revival. Today, we have an amazing guest on the line, the one, the only, Mr. John Roberts, who is one of the wonderful staff behind Carysdale Camera in Lower Mainland, B.C. So let's roll the introduction and get going.
1: Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. Coming to you from the greater Toronto-Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely
0: will by the end of the episode. Okay, welcome back. And John, welcome to the show. A member of many of the film photography groups on Facebook, you will have seen his amazing black and white work. Mostly focused on his family, but he also does amazing landscapes. So John, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. Uh, as you said, I am a photographic retail expert. I've been doing that for about 30 years now. Uh, at first, I would like to acknowledge that I am on the ancestral and traditional territories, of, unceded territories of the Coast Salish and the Cape Sea Nation. And I myself am from the Kitsum Kalum and the Simpson Nation.
0: Yes. Yes. That has been a huge huge hit to our um, Indigenous communities with uh, especially for Bill and I who are both white and colonial um, arrivals I can't to get any more
1: Wonder Bread than this
2: <laughs> but
1: really I'd rather identify as Calabrese because Wonder Bread is just awful
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, My wife jokes that she's so white she's clear <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: <ugh>. Yeah <laughs> So how did you wind up in, uh, and again, this is sort of like this sort of free range conversation. How did you, w- yeah. how did, how did photo retailing find you or did you find it? Uh, or did it you just wake married. up one morning and you were behind the counter going,
2: wow, w- okay. W- what am I doing here? Yeah. Yet? How no did bad. I wind up here? <laughs> that, that's kind of it. Um, my stepfather, uh, after my mother and my father broke up, uh, my mother got remarried. And uh, he was into photography as well. And he worked one day a week at a uh, local shop called Broadway Cameras. And basically, he just told me to wear something dressier one day and took me with him. And I signed my paperwork when I was like 16. And he got me a job at the same shop he was working. I worked the same day he was working, um, etc. And that's basically how it got started. And from there, it kind of just blossomed. Um, I went way further than what he ever did uh, with retail because he was just the one day a week guy. Um, I'm now managing a store. Uh, I have managed several stores with Caresdale now. Uh, I'm kind of the manager that goes into a store that's like having trouble performing and I fix things. And that's kind of my position now. Mm.
1: You're the fixer. I am. (laughs) More ways than one. Uh, Yeah, it's sort of interesting. Have you found, um, so Carrie's, all camera stores seem to have a different kind of vibe. Like, uh, I don't know if you, have you ever been to Toronto? Uh, Once. Okay, because there are a couple of different retailers. Like we've got Henry's, which is sort of a chain they're sort of nationwide they're not yeah yeah
2: they they attempted to open some locations here in bc and uh, failed (laughs) and failed miserably it ended up resulting in them closing a quarter of their locations nationwide Um, because they they borrowed 24 million from the bank to do the west coast expansion and it failed
1: yeah, and then the other the other stores were like we've got VizTech, which is sort of they are who they are, and then we have Downtown Camera, and they're kind of like the the film photography mecca for yeah. most of the four one six and the nine oh five. And then out my I live just west of Toronto in, in Oakville and just west of in Burlington is Burlington Camera, yes. which is where a fair chunk of my bank account winds up. And of course, <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're my C41 lab of choice. Uh, yeah. I get most of my basic darkroom chemicals from them, and I buy used time. and I know this is not chill. Yeah. Thank you, Joan, for that lovely gift, too. Let's see, saving that for me. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, you get the idea. Because where does Carriesdale camera fall into that sort of spectrum? Are they kind of a so, regional w- chain?
2: Yeah, we're we're definitely regional. We're only in BC. Um, it started uh, actually 60 years ago. Uh, the father of the the current owner and his mother opened a small chain while he was still attending uh, UBC. Okay, and uh, while you know he worked there during his off time from school and stuff like that, you know the grandmother kind of operated the store, and they hired a few staff, etc. And it's just kind of gone from there. And now we have seven Mm. stores. Uh, Mm. It was eight. uh, But last year, the foundation of one of the buildings was starting to go through a sinkhole on the opposite corner. So the whole building had to be condemned and dealt with and stuff like that. And we could not find another location to move on such short notice, because we had like, three weeks notice that you know okay we, we have to do something so we just amalgamated two of the stores that were closer together so the staff that were at the one store went to the other one and okay so at least it that. wasn't
1: financial like a COVID situation it was more like natural no, disaster. No.
2: and in fact if anything COVID has actually made Caresdale cameras stronger okay. it, it's kind of crazy like everyone who has decided that you know I still have that camera that grandpa gave me that I'm going to start using film. Film has gone up 400% in sales since COVID started.
1: So that kind of leads me to the next question. As Carysdale, did it go through the digital dark age or did it wind up, you know, sort of paring down that's because, and again, I'm picking on Henry's again, because they're in, um, yeah, they kind sort of just are decimated their film and darkroom sections because okay, like, yeah, we're going all digital. And then yeah. as a result, they're basically an electronics retailer and they're, bashing your heads against the likes of Amazon, Future Shop, uh, Best Buy, et cetera, and so forth. Whereas you get company stores like Downtown Camera, and I guess to a lesser extent West, the camera store in Alpha, Calgary, they kept their film in Darkroom and they're thriving.
2: Yeah. Um, let me put my phone on silent here because I notice it's making some noise on the desk here. Mm. Um, we have always had staff such mm. as myself um, and others that mm-hmm. are big in the film, so I think we have always maintained some film knowledge knowledge mm-hmm. within the company. So each store seems to have one or two people that oh, that's good is, is a, a good film person. And yeah, it, it uh, we never really gave up film. It definitely diminished quite a bit there mid aughts. Yeah, you know that's a lot of stores you know, but all stores still had film. And one of the ones that we do very well with is, is our prepaid film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just Fuji superior 400. And, but we have it prepaid for developing and your choice of prints or scans. And it's uh, mm. at the time uh, early offs et cetera, it was eleven ninety nine for a roll And, a few years ago it jumped up to fourteen ninety nine and recently, because of film costs and stuff like that going up, we had to jump it up to seventeen ninety nine But still, when you consider the developing and the the printing or developing and scanning a roll of film is for that is about sixteen dollars, so you're getting the film for like a buck fifty it's mm. a good deal oh, that's, yes, a, that's sweet a very deal. good deal so essentially, and that one has always done
1: very well for us mm. nice. Yeah, because I was sort of thinking with traveling with even domestically in Canada, even though they they say yes, we're gonna hand check your film. Yeah. If I was say visiting the lower mainland, I would almost take as long as carysdale has a good turnaround time, I'd probably just say process only. I'll take the negatives back with me. I'll scan myself.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we 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 do C forty one ourselves and um uh, for black and white and for slide, we send to a specialty lab just here in Vancouver okay. called The Lab Vancouver. Nice. Um, I absolutely love them. They're fantastic. I've been dealing with them for years. Um, even personally, before Carousel started a, a deal with them, uh, I've been dealing with them. Uh, I was involved in like local photo clubs and stuff like that for a long time as well. Um, yeah, I've done the circuit you know mm. at the photo clubs being a presenter but also I was personally involved in the local photography community as well
0: cool. oh cool so how did you get started with photography like just personally that
2: started when I was 12 um my mother my grandmother and I were going to Europe for nine weeks for a vacation that's where my grandparents came from was from Holland in Belgium and uh my grandfather was staying behind. Uh, He was going to take care of the dog because we had a dog at the time. He didn't like the idea of boarding it up somewhere. Mm. Couldn't find somebody to, you know, home it with for the nine weeks we were gone. So he gave me his camera and a sack full of film. And he's like, I want you to go up there and take photos for me because I cannot go back there myself and see how things have progressed since they left in the
0: mid 50s? 40s or whatever late, like that late 40s you know, early 50s. late 40s so something like that yeah around the same time that um my grandparents came yeah came to Canada so
2: yeah so yeah he gave me a camera to use and that was kind of it I really enjoyed photography it was just a simple point and shooty range finder-ish kind of style okay. camera I was gonna um, ask Pentax K1000 no no it was the <laughs> uh uh Voigtlander Vitoret DR.
0: Oh, nice. Those are those are very special cameras to the gang here at CCR.
2: Yeah, the Vito series. Um, yeah, it, it was uh, it's the one with the the wood the wood trimming on oh, the nice. front of the the Ooh. camera and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of cute. Normally, it would be sitting up on my shelf right now, but somewhere it's in this cluster of boxes that I just oh, haven't wonderful. been able to deal with yet. So yeah, it's somewhere over here and I'll find it and put it up on the shelf over there. Perfect. So yeah.
0: So what are you, what are you shooting with uh, these days?
2: My primary cameras are the, the Leica M two. And I also have my M five.
1: Those are nice. Those are great cameras. My brother owns an M five and he's fallen in love with it.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: He's picked up some Zeiss glass to go with it as well.
2: Oh yeah. I, I love this ice glass. Um, my actual lens of choice for the M5 is actually the the Voigtlander 40. Oh. This is the Nocton Classic SC, so single coated. Okay. Because uh, it's primarily designed for monochrome photography, which is my right. weapon of choice. Yeah. Um, and I just absolutely love that lens. It's so sharp, so contrasty it's got a ton of character in the out of focus blur and stuff like that. Like I, I just absolutely love it. Um, it's, it's my go-to lens on the M five. I don't know why, like on my M two, I have the 50 dual range Summicron, oh, those uh, are nice. which is a fantastic lens. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know the, that little 40, um, Alex, I'm sure you've seen a bunch of my photos of my daughter during walks during the covid lockdown and stuff like that oh yeah on my facebook and stuff like that and that has all been with the m5 and the 40 that that was oh, basically wow. yeah. from when we shut down last march straight through to the fall when we started working again full-time um that that was my single camera single lens that i was carrying with me pretty much wherever i went nice so, yeah
0: so other than your family, which you take absolutely amazing daily life snapshots of on, on film, on yeah. a phone, what other subjects do you like to photograph?
2: Primarily, I've been a wedding and portrait photographer. Um, I've been doing that for tons of years. I, I first started wedding photography when I was 19. Uh, at my prime, when I was doing weddings basically full-time I was doing like 35 weddings a year um it was really good money but it was also burning me out just the amount of time that Mm. it takes to shoot a wedding edit a wedding package a wedding present it and etc it it was just it was such a time suck so and then when I met my wife or wife-to-be at that point um I really decided that I really wanted to spend my life with her and I needed to cause wedding season for me was middle of May to middle of September. And oh, yeah. like, there were, there were times that she was over to spend the night and I spent the entire night on the computer editing. And then basically we just went to bed together and, you know, I'd get up and repeat. And, you know, I, she'd find me on the computer in the morning when she woke up kind of deal. And
0: right, you mm. know, I That's decided it, it, I it was out. just,
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, I was like, okay, if I really like her, and I want to spend my life with her, I have to back away from this. So I, I had already taken a few weddings for the next year. But I'm like, okay, those eight or whatever it is that I have booked now, that's it for next year, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And that was about 13, 14 years ago now. And yeah, I haven't really gone back to wedding photography, all that much, you know, I get hit up by the the cousins every now and then that, Oh, you know, you photograph so-and-so's wedding for free. Yeah. No problem. I'll I'll still do that. Yeah. As long as it's Um, family. Yeah, exactly.
1: I've shot a wedding once. Yeah. I was bullied into it (laughs) by a friend's father who was getting, my friend's mom died of cancer. A few years later, the dad met someone they fell in love, blah, blah, blah. So three weeks before the wedding, I get a phone call. Bill, would you be interested? And as I was just sitting here going and just running the timeline, I had plans, those plans. So I, I I decided to ask a really outright dollar fit. Yeah. Now, my friend's dad is a former Metro Toronto. Pol- uh, I want to say and he w- he wore the white shirt. So he wasn't like he yeah. He was up there. Yeah. But he also ran a couple of charities. And he has this uncanny way of weaseling you down to like... <laughs> I yep. shot at my M3 because, again, it was in an Anglican church built after World War II. And it had all the charm of a bunker. And yep. it got as much light in there, too. So it's like, uh, yeah. how do I do this? <laughs> I can't use flash. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, one and done. And that's like, never again. Yeah. Um, I just smile. I can see the Japanese answer to saying no no effing way. It is very difficult, real.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. It is very different.
0: Yeah, there yeah. are a couple of churches here in Milton that I will refuse to do any sort of wedding photography in. And if it's a nasty day and they want portraits in a church, I will just use my home church of Knox, which has a gorgeous, brilliantly lit um, sanctuary. And yeah, I'll just pull the I have a key.
1: You're smart. Nice. Nice. So how, what influences your photography? Like, again, it's like everyone has like a yeah, muse. Yeah, what what's your muse
2: right now? Definitely my kids. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I'm really enjoying doing just like the daily family stuff, and you know mm-hmm. the the little things that you you don't always think of. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, Alex would probably attests to the one photo of my son watching TV. And he's just looking up and he's got this look of wonderment as he's watching whatever we were watching at the time. Mm, Pretty sure it was Paw Patrol. Um, There is no silence. There is only Paw Patrol. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, But like, it's the little things, the little things that a family does is what I'm really trying Mm. to capture right now. Not just the, oh we're out with and grappa and we haven't seen them in a couple weeks so here we're gonna take like a nice photo of them and with you and that sort of thing it's the photos of the little monks Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the photos that you normally don't always see everyone capturing and it's those moments that i have found that i have been able to capture that like because i have everything on my lightroom catalog and i have a um Uh, an album that's shared with the grandparents uh, that they have the link for and I just add photos of the kids and they're like oh my god I need a print of that one I need a print of that one and it's all these little moments of you know the kids just doing what they're doing or my wife just kind of candidly it's those little moments that everyone seems to really appreciate they Mm -hmm. look at the photos of you know oh we saw my wife's grandparents you know Nana and Papa uh, we saw them for the first time in like two months and we took photos of the kids with them and, you know, that sort of thing. They look at them. They're like, oh, yeah, nice. Glad you were able to go visit Nana and Papa. That's your deal. But they ask for the photos, prints of the ones that are those little moments where you see it every day, but you don't always necessarily think to capture it. Mm-hmm. That's my main
0: thing. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. That just, it makes me smile. It really does, because I really enjoy those times when I'm visiting with my family and we have um, our two nieces from my brother and a nephew from Heather's brother and just watching them and photographing them and being able to interact with them. Mm. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I again, I have a niece and nephew and unfortunately they're teenagers. Yeah. My nephew Marcus, I've managed to get some photos of him. My niece, um, Charlotte, who's fourteen. Um, I'm gonna have to wait a year or two. Yeah. She's teenage girl. Ah, right? Yes. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. Right.
1: And yeah, it, yeah, she's at that sort of ill tempered honey badger kind of phase.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I understand completely.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I just I, I you know. Is what it is, but I want to get some photos of them as teenagers because it's sort of like, you know, that that moment's gonna disappear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially with my nephew. He's like eight, turning 18 next year. And I'm like, uh, Oof. how did that happen?
2: Yeah, no kidding. Eh? I, I know it's like my daughter's going to kindergarten like this week coming up. And it's like, <laughs> when when did that happen?
0: Like, I think hey. we blinked. We blinked. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Um my oldest niece, seven, mm-hmm. and she's going into grade two. Her younger sister is going into SK and um, the niece and the nephew from uh, Heather's brother, they're both starting JK. And it's like, and they were born the Tuesday before Heather and I got married. Wow. So it's like, yeah, blinking. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, previous to that, my photography uh, as Alex mentioned earlier, I do like a lot of landscape and stuff like that. There's this one scene after dropping off the kids at daycare that I, there's two ways in and out of the, the daycare area. And one is the main driveway, and then there's a back road that takes you out along the Fraser River. Mm. And every morning I drop off the kids, I stop by, take a look. Okay, how's it look today? Is it something different than what I mm. photographed before? And I really love this scene with the fishing boats docked right on the river. And that's kind of a scene I stop and photograph like as often as I can. And that all goes back to uh, I was really taken with the works of Galen Mm -hmm. when when I was young. And I just loved his landscape photography. And he went on and on and on about how great the Nikon 28 1.4 was. And I bought it because, you know, he obviously thinks it. I just could not get on with 28 millimeters. It's one of those awkward focal lengths for me.
1: Not interesting.
2: Uh, <laughs> um... Yeah. That's funny, the
1: 28 1.4, I'm assuming that's an autofocus because I love the yeah. 28 2.8 AIS. And that yeah. is, it has is always delivered for me. And I remember even the 24 2.8. It's up on one of those somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> my stuff's upstairs. Uh, so the 24 2.8 I use, I did a landscape shot in northern Muskoka, which is about two hours, two and a half hours north of Toronto uh, in the Limberlost yeah. Nature Preserve. And it's one of those... You sit there going, "I was glad I packed the twenty-four for it."
2: Yeah, twenty-eight for me is one of those focal lengths that it's not wide enough for wide-angle use, mm. but it's too wide for daily use.
0: Yes,
1: one yeah. focal length I've fallen in love with over the past few years, especially with the the, the Nikkor, because uh, is the thirty-five f two, and yeah. Yeah. if I'm shooting a lot in toronto it's like yeah i want the 35 f2 because then it kind of opens things up a bit because yeah. the 50 is just it's just the, it's a little claustrophobic if you're in the financial district but where you yeah but it's like it gives you room to move and it gives you more depth more depth without you know distortion yeah
0: and i've um,
1: even shot, have- i've even shot port- a portrait with it which is like oh that turned out well <laughs>
2: I really like environmental portraits with the Mm -hmm. 35 focal length. Um, When I was doing weddings on film and I basically had two bodies and I had a uh, 20 millimeter, a 35 millimeter and an 85 millimeter prime. And that was all I was Mm -hmm. shooting. Mm -hmm. And with those three things, I could literally photograph next to anything I needed within a Mm -hmm. wedding. Um, But that 35 F2 uh, I had the AIS version yeah. at the time. Uh, it's just fantastic. Now I have the, uh, yeah, yeah, great lens. Um, mm-hmm. Now I have the 3514 uh, AI. Okay. It's up there somewhere. How do
1: you find um, it? Because I've always heard there's a bit of barrel distortion with that particular one. It, it is.
2: Uh, I call it character. Ah. Um, <laughs> len- <laughs> lenses have character or mm-hmm. they are too modern and too perfect. Mm. That's kind of where I'm at. And but I really like while the 3514 may not be the best lens, mm. the way it renders its out of focus blur not as smoothly as some others, mm-hmm. but it it gives almost that oil painterly kind of mm-hmm. dabbed yes. background, yeah. right? Yeah. I like the character of that Mm. lens and so that was more important to me than the you know nicer out of focus blur than the than the 35 f2 um Mm -hmm. So that's why that one for my m i've got the 35 2.8 zeiss oh nice that's a very nice lens i also had the 50 zeiss for a while uh before i picked up the simicron dual range here um and that was a Nice lens, like it was sharp. It was contrasty, but like compared to the sharpness of the the Summicron here, the the Zeiss just could not compare. So even the but, planar,
1: it was it a planar that you yeah, had, yeah, was or the planar,
2: a... yeah, okay, yeah. It I've was
1: tried that. Thir- I've tried that. I've tried. No, I didn't try the planar. I tried the thirty-five f two Biogon, right years ago in a day and i would just like i fell in love with it but it's like oh that's out of my budget
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i've been slowly selling a bunch of stuff because leica stuff is so expensive i've been slowly selling off pieces of other stuff to Mm. basically fund my leica addiction um it's the only way to really
0: Mm
1: yeah Be oh, honest about it. yeah yeah i as the owner of like i, I inherited my dad's m3 and i yeah. have an m42 yeah i have some like a glass but it's vintage like a glass to the m3 like i have a right. collapsible yeah. simicron and i've got the 90 f4 collapsible elmar which actually is a nice lens it's like it's one actually of those, a very nice lens it's one of those underrated lenses i want to get
2: better acquainted with but it's uh you know
1: Maybe yeah. that's a fall thing.
2: Yeah, I have the um, Minolta Rocor 90 millimeter f4, mm. uh, which was when Minolta and Leica had a partnering, and Minolta yeah, was I... designing lenses for Leica using Leica's designs and stuff like that.
0: A technology sharing agreement, as I it like was. it was exactly.
1: In fact, um, I think Mar- we had when we talked with Marwan, he was saying that Minolta supplied lens blanks to leica
0: yes yeah because i had the glass
1: factory and Leica didn't
2: (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and there's still a lot of that going on like uh i think today hoya is basically supplying the lens blanks for pretty much most of the manufacturers today um i think canon is one of the only ones that's actually doing their own uh glass versus i think pretty much everybody else is getting their their actual glass blanks Mm -hmm, um, that they then cut down and grind into whatever whatever but the the glass itself comes from Hoya. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Like a crazy amount of people who are using that. So Mm -hmm. I hear my son. (laughs) Uh (laughs) If he walks in, I apologize in advance.
0: That's okay. That's okay. So you are mainly a rangefinder shooter. Um, what draws you into rangefinders and why, why not SLR?
2: Oh, I still have SLR um, as my most recent purchase, the Pentax MZS. Oh, I saw ah, that. Yes. That's
1: an, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, I've never seen one camera. in the, per- I never seen one
2: in person. I remember seeing these when they first came out and the rep came to the store and he put it in my hand, you know, he's talking it up first before he puts it in your hand and i'm like that sounds all great but this is 2001 like i think you're a little late to the the market to bring you know a professional film camera like this Mm -hmm. out like you know this would have been handy in the early 90s late 90s that sort of thing but now you're a few years too late and then he put it in your hand and this is the most comfortable camera you will ever feel (laughs) seriously Mm. like the way the grip is designed, like it's not a pretty camera. It's no. kind of fugly, you know, the way yeah, this, the prism, it's, the, yeah, the, the prism and the way the, the dials and everything kind of angle kind of towards the back. That's so that way when you're holding it up to your eye, you can just look back and you can actually see it right away oh, without wow. having to turn it Fintra, and stuff sorry. like that. But the care and attention that they took. To making the grip, the most comfortable grip that they could do. And even the vertical grip feels Mm. the best. Like that Minolta that you're holding there,
0: that's probably the next best feeling camera I've ever held. The design of that actually reminds me of the Maxim 9 with the way that grip is and having the uh, vertical release slightly down from the top and angled. It It makes more sense than the design of the F5.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: It it actually reminds
2: me more of the uh the Leica R eight and R nine. That's what yes. I, was gonna,
0: I was I was thinking yeah. with that huge top plate with the uh, prism sort of yeah uh, sunk in yeah.
1: And it's weird because I had a chance to try out my brother's Nikon F five. Yeah, I shot a roll through it. And I just like and I and I have an F one hundred. I've got two F ninety axes. That's my autofocus. Yeah. And on one F four, I have to find a DP twenty. Prism for because of well, bleed, yeah. And it's funny, I tried the F5, thinking, Oh, yeah, this will be the best. I'll, I'll probably want one at the end. I said, I don't want one,
2: it's a heavy camera. You know,
1: or, um, that I don't yeah. have an issue with. It's just I felt like I was jumping from a Volkswagen GTI into a McLaren yeah. supercar, yeah. <laughs> um, and I know, and the GTI with a six speed manual on it, it's you know how to use a GTI and you know what the limits are. The McLaren, it's like. Oh, I can get into serious trouble even with a hiccup, and I'm going to be wrapped yeah. around a lamppost.
2: Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. um, I had an F5 for quite a few years. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I switched to rangefinder, I just found that I am, you hear about the people who are like, you know, these are rangefinder people. Mm-hmm. It just ended up being, I am a rangefinder person. Yeah. That's just, it's how I see. Mm. Um, and I'm not even a right eye shooter person. I'm a left eye dominant. Mm. And so I have to hold the camera up, not like, you know, how, how everyone recommends, you know, holding the camera like this, but I actually have to hold it over my, my right eye blocking here. So I see, you know, the, the little buttons here on the back, um, with the right eye, but I just love range finders, the way they feel, the way they operate, you know, mm. um, it's just, it's how i prefer to see mm-hmm. and while slr is nice and you know i have a bunch of great slrs pentax lx the lx oh those are uh, nice f3 f4 there's an f up there a whole bunch of fn's and stuff mm-hmm. like that uh, i have had a leica r3 you know i've had a lot of really good slrs over the year and i'm just drawn to rangefinders. that's mm-hmm. how i operate that's mm-hmm. how i function and it was kind of weird for me because for many years, like I even rented a, an M6 with a 35 F2 and I went out shooting compared to my uh, FM2N with the 35 F2 from Nikkor. And I did a side-by-side comparison. And I'm like, oh yeah, no, the like is better, but it's not that much better. But I didn't really use the rangefinder. Like I, I was setting up the camera on tripods and you know, I just kind of focus. Okay, now that I see the rangefinder patches lined up, but I didn't really use the rangefinder at that time when I rented it. I was just doing a side by side comparison. And it's not until a few years later when I somehow acquired, where is she? There she is, the little QL 17. Mm. And I used a rangefinder because I, you know, oh, I just got this brand new camera. I got it for 40 bucks or something like that. Like, you know back in the mid aughts when, you know, everyone was selling their film stuff for super cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got this little Canonette QL17 and uh, I absolutely fell in love with how the rangefinder operated. Mm. Um, I then, you know, thinking I'd never be able to afford a Leica, I got the contacts G1 instead. Uh, rangefinder-esque. It is a rangefinder, how it operates for the autofocus but the manual focus on that thing was just rubbish never g2 manual better yeah yeah but the lenses on that thing were amazing the 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 45 probably one of my favorite lenses to date Uh, i no longer have the camera since i got the m2 and started going in all Leica, and then the camera just sat there i'm like okay it's too good of a camera to sit so i found somebody who was going to really really use it they bought the the g1 the 90 millimeter the 45 millimeter and the 21 millimeter which i regret that 21 millimeter that was the best 21 millimeter i've ever used and even my 21 millimeter i have for my leica system right now does not compare to that context g 21 millimeter mm-hmm. i need to find myself a, a, a zeiss 21 2.8 for my I, system, there was, so.
1: guy, there was a there was a site in Japan that were selling conversions. They were taking the G mount Zeiss for contact, yeah. converting them into manual focus for Leica, yeah, yeah. And I think it was Japan uh, exposure. It, it's stupid money. Oh, I know. It's like, like you're left yeah. sitting there
2: going. You might as well just get the Zeiss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, that's the kind of money we're talking about. I could get the Zeiss new for what they're charging to convert your lens that you already own.
1: Yeah, that's no thanks. It's insane money. Mm.
2: Um, I, I seriously thought about trying to find another context G21 and just having to convert it, But no, for, for that money, I'm just going to pony up and get a brand new Zeiss mm-hmm. 21 uh, for the system. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's you know I I love the the 21 focal length as, as far mm-hmm. as like wide angle goes. Uh it's probably my favorite of the wide angles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, though I have really. that that crazy wide uh
0: Voigtlander 12 as well, which is just
2: <laughs> stupid wide. Stupid wide.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I have the 14 to 24 Nikkor autofocus and at 14 it's like almost too wide in some cases but so much fun! I with borrowed,
1: that- I borrowed my brother's sixteen millimeter, uh, Nikkor AIS lens. Yeah, One- lovely lens. Oh God, yeah! I was like, I was playing with it. When, and then I was staying at, I was house and dog sitting at his place, and I was trying to look for it because I ran with a pair of Nik- Nikon FE twos when I was staying there. Granted, it was like a yeah. you know, sauna in Toronto that week, right? <laughs> Somewhere for our American friends, hundred Fahrenheit with the humide- Humidex factor. Yeah. So it was like, couldn't find the 16 millimeter lens, but I just like, you know, we had yeah. a blast, but what are you yeah. going to do?
2: The the 12 millimeter Voigtlander is one of those lenses, as you like compose your image, you actually have to lean forward uh, your whole body, so the tips of your feet are not in the photo. It is that wide. It is mm. crazy. Not a great lens, but a fun lens.
1: Yeah,
0: it has character, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, one of my friends uh, from Victoria, he always bugs me um, about how he found something on on like Facebook marketplace and he's like, oh man, this lens is terrible, blah, blah, blah. John probably loves it. And I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. You know, um, I looked up images of it and I'm like, I don't know, she kind of looks neat. Um, so Yeah.
1: Speaking of character, uh, yeah. you're a black and white guy like me. Yeah. Uh, what's your go-to emulsion or go-to emulsions, plural? Uh, yeah.
2: Uh, for many years, it's been HP5. That's yeah. been just my go-to because it, it's, it's versatile. You can shoot it at 100, 200, 400, 800, 1600, whatever you want. And you know, the, the grain is, is, handles it well. Yeah. Um, this last couple years i've really been into uh the jch uh, oh Street yeah Pan 400 um i recently did a little side by side um the jch shot normally and then with a infrared filter screwed on because mm-hmm. it, it's one of those it, it's an old surveillance film kind of emulsion and it's near infrared sensitive yeah so it's not true infrared but it, it's it got close infrared look right and mm. so i did a side-by-side comparison of shooting with and without a uh, infrared filter in fact my little cl here right now has the infrared filter on it on it uh because that's going to be for part two of the video uh because i have Two different strengths of infrared filters now so i've got the 650 nanometer and now a 720 nanometer which the jch handles still quite well
0: yeah i have a i have a 720 um nanometer filter as well yeah um and i have an old 89 9 b kicking around as well mm. yeah yeah
1: yeah i've never got into infrared i've i do i have shot jch 400 i want to get some more at some point I also yeah. love Rolly Retro four, four, Retro 400S, mm.
0: yeah.
1: which will give you almost the same experience, but you got to overexpose it a wee bit because it's more of a 200 film, a 400 yeah. film from my yeah. experience, at least in the Great Lakes region. Um, your yeah. mileage may vary elsewhere.
2: <laughs> I'm never one to really expose film at box speed. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple of my friends are like, I only ever shoot Tri-X at 400. 400. And it's like, yeah whatever lame you know um but like uh even that uh superior that we talked about earlier Mm. the superior 400 i never shoot it at 400 i always shoot it at 200 or 100 Mm. and then i just have it developed normally and i like that little bit of extra saturation Mm. uh, that you get with it when you and you almost get like um if you shoot it on a bright sunny day at 100, you almost get like a, a pastel y, painterly
0: kind of mm-hmm. color tone with it. And yes. I know. saw that with uh, Kodak Ultramax. Yeah. Um, my favorite ways of shooting it were either at 800 and develop normally. And then it's just like a nice kick in the teeth, really great for fall colors. Yeah. Or on a bright sunny day, shoot it at 200 mm-hmm. and develop it normally. And then you get that lovely pastel rendering. Just. Yeah perfect it's
1: weird because i the one film i really dig this sort of consumer film is color plus 200 right. which yep. some people i think around the camp the 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 metaphorical campfire I swear it's probably an, a continuation of coat of color 200 because it's a it's an old style looking emulsion it's like you want to go back to the 80s color plus 200 i shoot at a 100 iso and yep. you have seen my results it's a nice, yep. warm, saturated. The reds hit you in the face like a with a two by four wrapped with barbed wire. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> are you paying attention yet? Yeah. Uh, and I've been very yep. happy with the results. Uh, just you know, general
2: shooting. Yeah. Um, the one film. So, yeah, shoot, cool. Shooting at box speed is never something I've actually been a fan of. So. I, uh, I do yes,
0: There's only certain films that I'll shoot at at box. Um, Trix is one of them. Yeah. Um, Fomapan 100 Mm. um, FP4 Mm. um, HP5 I'll shoot it at like um, yeah. one thing thing that I really like especially with Triax sitting it at 250 and then developing it in HC110 dilution D Mm. so one of the official dilutions but an oddball one you don't see a lot of Yeah.
1: yeah I don't recall seeing many done in pollution B I think the only time I shot box speed with Portra 400 is like I was shooting my nephew. He was in slip style skiing, and it was one of those days we had a snowstorm. I needed all the light I can get because i shooting a telephoto through my F90X, and it's like, okay, I hope I can get this. I can get this. I hope I can get the. And it's like, bang, got the shot. It's like
2: <laughs> going back to FP4 there, Alex. Try pushing it to 400 and then developing okay. it at 400. It gets punchy. It's nice. nice. Yeah, I mean, I've, um, I've
0: done it up to two developed a TMAX diver and gotten sweet results out of it and shooting it at four and Pyrocat age is wonderful, but you need constant agitation yeah. on it. I'm I'm
2: more of a lazy developer. I'm the road and all with a semi stand. Um, <laughs>
0: Nothing you know, wrong with it, that. No, it's yeah. okay.
2: <laughs> we don't judge.
0: Yeah.
1: So there'll be others who will, but we don't because uh yeah. we are a mutual friend John Meadows loves stand developing. Like when it's yeah. well I'm I'm a sure version of the half-hour market.
0: <laughs> there's already yeah. people screaming at their computer screen about you using Voigtlander glass on a Leica. I, oh.
1: I know. Oh there's, there's there's a certain co-host of our shop. <laughs> he'll go apoplectic.
2: What do you mean you're not using Leica glass on your Leica? Like what well, I do. I, I have the, yeah. the Leica 90 F two up yeah. there as well and you know i've got other Leica glass yeah but, but every time they're... i will pull up my m42 with a canon the canon japanese sumilex
1: on it and i've even had Leica repair techs look at going that's solid glass you know a lot of yeah. photojournalists use that back in the 60s that combo yeah. you know, like the m2 yeah. or an m3
2: and a canon 14, because i i don't have the the 1.4 version i have the 1-2 version and uh, that lens has enough character to just wreck a house like it's just (laughs) um is a horrible lens but in the right condition uh the the glowiness of that lens is just beautiful for portraits Mm. um that's actually the lens i was using at the time when i took that photo of my son looking up at the tv and like the the rest of the room is kind of that that glowy look that you get from a vintage lens Right. right Um, but like it, it's just in the right condition with the right lighting it is a fantastic lens mm-hmm. but in the wrong conditions oh my god it's horrible
1: <laughs> yeah and then it got the the, the 50.95 Canon screw mount and i just look at it going okay you're buying it because you have it i don't know how the heck you can focus with the damn thing (laughs) very very carefully well yeah especially wide open it's like what's the point get a one four and you know yeah bang it out you know
2: (laughs) i've got the tt artisans where are you right there there. okay there's the canon one two that is the tt artisans 50.95 Okay. and that is the seven artisan 75 1.25 and they are again more of a classic lens design they're not like the the perfect modern version of the the leica versions they're they're knockoff, um but they're they kind of have
1: it, it's
2: 60s vibe in the 21st century exactly um and i don't know if you guys saw my video on how to calibrate those lenses um, sure did here. we even
0: shared it through our facebook page
2: nice thanks um but like that 50 oh my god it was so off no wonder i wasn't getting anything good with it on film um i was shooting with it like on my my fuji or my canon r uh system and getting great results but on film like nothing was in focus i'm like what the hell i gotta calibrate this and um it was so off oh my god um uh, but now that it's calibrated um i just posted some family photos we went to a playground two weeks ago um and i just finished developing the film Mm -hmm. and uh it was with the m5 and the tt artisans uh 50.95 and i just love the character of that lens it's it's neat impossible to nail focus on kids running around the playground but (laughs) i basically had to you know sit and wait for them to get into the spot where i wanted them like i had yeah. to really pre-visualize okay they're running around doing this i'm going to stand right here and i'm going to aim my camera right there and wait for them to hit that spot then i'll just hit the shutter and yep. that was basically how i had to do it um hmm. but i got some great photos of the kids playing on the playground and stuff like that um Wonderful. yeah mm. unfortunately i only have a handful of uh, color filters for black and white photography to um work on a 67 because that's the size of filter and it blocks like the lower quarter of the rangefinder window oh, so basically oh you, you see the rangefinder patch but like everything below that to the bottom right corner is basically blocked by the lens it's just so Beautiful. freaking huge yeah. so but they're nice lenses, not mm. perfect but nice yeah, it's funny. I had a chance to try
1: the thirty-five f two. A friend loaned it to me, uh, and I had fun with that. It. it, to my understanding, the thirty-five f two is based on a sonar design. So, yes. you know, you're getting all the love, all the pluses and minuses of a sonar formula. And you know, it's like just looking at B and You're looking at, don't you know, three hundred bucks
2: U S. Yeah, yeah. They're they're cheap as chips as far as Leica goes. Um, and they actually perform pretty well. Uh, TT Artisan and 7Artisan, they will both complain that, no, we are not the same company, et cetera. But that's like Voigtlander and Zeiss not saying, oh, we share Casina as a base optical parent and stuff like that. Casina you know? are basically the people who bolt them all together. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So it for the TT Artisan and the 7Artisan, it's D- DJ Optics. Um, mm-hmm. Is who the the base parent is, and that's the base parent for both of them, and all their lenses are all stamped with the DJ Optical on it and stuff like that. But yes, they are separate companies; they don't have any affiliation with one another, but they still have that base con- joined, you know, lineage if umbrella,
0: you know. Yeah. yeah, umbrella organization,
2: exactly. yeah. So, you know. I consider them interchangeable when you're talking about them because the, uh, the optics, like if they were both to bring out this, the exact same lens, it, it's going to be the exact same lens no matter which company. It just may be a little bit more finesse for, you know, the finish on one of them because, you know, TT Artisans takes more care of the, you know, the, the final finish and stuff like that compared to 7Artisans, some people say, mm-hmm. but whatever, it's, it's the same company as far as I'm concerned
0: yep yeah well john thank you so much for um joining us today it was absolutely wonderful to finally get you on the show i know we've been talking about this for a while yeah and for waking up super early (laughs) from where you are and yeah just thank you so much Um, thank you for having me it's where can we find your work
2: online You can pretty much find me if it's a social media. I am JR Photography BC. Um, Okay. Pretty Mm -hmm. simple. Uh, Flickr.com, JR Photography BC. You know, Twitter, JR Photography BC. That's where I'm at. Um, Okay. I don't have every social media, but, you know, most of
0: them. If if you search JR
2: Photography BC,
0: that's it. That's where I'm at. And you can definitely find all those links on uh, the episode notes today um so if you are watching from if you are listening from our um from our episode notes you can just scroll down and find them there and also if you're listening from the Podbean, um you can find them there as well uh that's it for today's episode my name's alex lokes saying remember to always have a camera with you you never know when that special moment's going to be
1: this is bill smith from the classic camera revival stay cool shoot tons
2: of film yeah we're gonna get through all this
0: this is john roberts
2: have a wonderful day. Remember, capture those moments of your family that nobody else really ever does. Because later on in years, those are going to be the treasured moments.